It's Prosper with Keith Singer. Keith has offices and meeting locations in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Boca Raton, and West Palm Beach. Give Keith a call at 866-WEALTHY. That's 866-WEALTHY or online anytime at SingerWealth.com. I'm Jerry Hester alongside Keith Singer. Uh, Keith, we have a special guest in we, studio we today. We do. We're privileged to have Jeffrey Son, one of the most prominent, well-known securities lawyers in South Florida. He has been protecting uh, consumers and investors from a whole variety of mishaps for about how many years, Jeff? About 28 years now. That's a long time. So I'm sure uh, you've seen it all, right? Lots of different ways people are losing money uh, in their investments and maybe even getting scammed. We see a lot of scams. Uh, and there's a lot of commonality between a lot of these scams that we see. And uh, the names might change, but the scams tend to remain the same. One of the biggest scams in South Florida involved uh, a phony structured settlement scam with uh, an attorney, Scott Rothstein. Now, you actually were involved with that case, and you were even featured on American Greed about that case. Why don't you share with the audience a little history lesson of what happened there and how investors got hosed? Well, uh, like many Ponzi schemes, uh, you had uh, a gentleman named Scott Rothstein who was a very uh, charismatic person who uh, loved the limelight, loved fast cars and fancy boats and houses, and he, and he lived uh, a huge lifestyle. I used to call it a rock star lifestyle, and people were drawn to that. Uh, what a lot of us didn't know is that although he's practicing law, the real money was made by scamming uh, hundreds of investors out of their hard-earned money. He was essentially selling the structured note deals, and what he claimed was that as a labor lawyer, he represented a lot of uh, women who were the victims of uh, sexual discrimination and um, that he could sell their settlements to people because they wanted their money now. A structured settlement is basically you get paid out over time, the money that you're owed from the settlement. And he claimed that a lot of these women didn't want to wait for their money and would be willing to take an upfront cash payment to buy out their, their interest. Turned out the whole thing was a scam. All the paperwork was false. And, uh, you know, Scott managed to uh, move billions of dollars around. Ultimately, I think investors lost around $400 million. Wow, that's crazy. And it's, it's always plausible, right? All scams start with some sort of plausible reason why, hey, that, there's a really good reason why I'm able to get such a good return, right? Sure, sure. Look at uh, Lou Pearlman. He used to be the manager of the Backstreet Boys in Orlando. He's a, another, you know, infamous character. And he claimed to own uh, an airline and a string of uh, of, of, of high income properties, and you know people see these promoters, these scam artists, live a high lifestyle, so they believe it. Right. You know, I guess the thing is that a lot of these investments, these private deals, are not registered. Right. Most people, if you if you buy a stock in a brokerage account or you you buy some sort of product from an insurance company, those have certain requirements to be registered and to to be audited, correct? Sure. If you buy, you know, shares in General Electric or Apple or Google, you know that's a stock uh, registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. It's traded on a national exchange. You can easily look up the price. But there's a lot of investments that we see, things like private mortgages or promissory notes that simply aren't registered with the SEC. Uh, they don't have the same level of protection, and, and uh, it's sometimes hard to gauge what they're really worth. Yeah, that's that's one of the problems we're seeing. I, I guess um, you've seen a lot of people lose money on private deals. It's amazing. Uh, we had one here in South Florida years ago called Cash for Titles. I mean, it had a real storefront. Actually, I think they had 10 stores, 
and they made loans against car titles, and they could charge as much as 264% interest. So to the normal observer, this company was making a lot of money. But the way they scammed people was they told everybody they had 100 stores, and so they could take in a lot of investor money and promise to pay them 24% a year or 2% a month. And it worked quite well until they simply couldn't generate enough capital to rob Peter to pay Paul, and that's really what they were doing in, in a typical Ponzi. I imagine some of these schemes start out not as schemes, right? The, the, the business promoters are really trying to make money and pay investors. And then I guess it could go off the rails if they don't have enough money to pay all investors and they need to start taking money from new investors to, to pay the old ones until they, quote, get, get out of this and get things corrected? Is that what happens? Yeah, it's true. Some Ponzi's actually have a viable business like cash for titles where right. they're making car loans. Some never had anything behind them and, and were just outright scams. I mean, if you look at Bernie Madoff, for example, the largest Ponzi scheme in history and, and a case I just finished litigating uh, after many, many years, um, you know, Bernie was uh, a titan in the industry. Uh, he was even president of NASDAQ. He had a viable business where he, you know, managed people's money. At some point, uh, he simply started promising such high returns to get money in. The only way he could pay people is by stealing other people's money to rob Peter to pay Paul. The classic Ponzi scheme is nothing more than a game of musical chairs. Let's talk about some red flags. Someone approaches you with an investment. Let's say it's a mortgage, right? What What are some of the things that could go wrong if in, in a deal like that, in a private mortgage deal? Well, let, let's take that's a good example because I've had I've had uh, several cases involving funds that that claim to invest in real estate. Um, when somebody asks you to invest in real estate or a fund, for example, you're going to want to know are there audited financials? That's a key thing. Is there audited financials of the company you're writing the check to? Right. Right. The point is that somebody independent like uh, Price Waterhouse or Deloitte Touche has actually gone in and looked at the books and verified that the assets are real, um, you know, that's really the purpose of an audit financial statement, to make sure that uh, the company is is real. Interesting. And so it seems like it's plausible. Someone says, hey, invest in this mortgage. It's We're, we're charging 15%. We'll give you 8 or 9% or 5%, whatever. That seems plausible, right? Aren't you protected by the property if that happens? You would hope you're protected by the property. You know, when you're telling somebody you're making high-risk mortgage loans at 15%, when a, a you know, person with A credit can go out and get a mortgage for 3.5%, you know, you know, you know that uh, they're obviously in a market where there might be a little higher default rate. But it sounds plausible. If you can get me 15% of the mortgage, you're going to pay me 8 you're making 7 It all sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds great. So what are some red flags if you're making an investment in a private mortgage? For instance, let's say you write a check and immediately you start getting interest, right? You don't even have to wait till a deal closes. Wouldn't that perhaps be a red flag? It might be because if you're investing in a mortgage, and, and I've actually represented mortgage servicers in the past, um, you know, you really should have the mortgage in your name. Right. You know, that first lien mortgage document should be in your name. But I've seen cases where uh, these promoters collect money and they put it into a fund and then you own a piece of a deal. Right. So you might not actually own the mortgage, but really just a piece of the cash flow. If you own the piece of a cash flow on a mortgage or any other deal, that's probably a security. Right. And if it's a security, the SEC requires it to be registered, uh, which means it has to pass SEC scrutiny. Or it could be an exempt from registration, and there's all sorts of loopholes they have to pass through to make sure it's properly exempt. But in every case, 
private or public, there still has to be full disclosure. Right. A very detailed explanation of who you're investing with, what you're investing in, what are the financials, uh, what are what are any problems they've had in the past. Um, an actual financial statement would be important to right. see. So if you're writing a check to an entity, you probably want to get see the audited financials of that entity. Then otherwise, there's a red flag. Sure. And if you know, some of them may say, "Well, we don't we don't have audited financials. We have unaudited financials." So that just means a third party has not independently verified whether those finances are real or not. Gotcha. So what are some other issues you're seeing right now? I guess I, I understand Puerto Rican bonds are a pretty hot issue. Sure. Um, you know, it's not just centric to Puerto Rico. We represent hundreds of families in Puerto Rico who invested in uh, Puerto Rico bonds and, and, and Puerto Rico bond funds. And as everybody knows, uh, you know, Puerto Rico actually stopped making payments on some of their bonds recently. And... Uh, Thousands of investors and indirectly probably millions of investors are affected. I don't know if you know this, Keith, but something like 5% of all mutual funds in this country to some extent have invested in Puerto Rico bonds. Mm. Wow. So are you able to help people that lost a lot of money in Puerto Rican bonds? Sure. The bonds and the bond funds, um, you know, the, the, the central theme to a lot of these cases are you sold me too much. I'm right. overloaded. I'm overconcentrated. We see that with the Puerto Rico bonds where I look at a retiree's portfolio and believe it or not, 90% of what they own is only Puerto Rico bonds. We're now seeing the same thing in oil and gas stocks. Hmm. I, I just uh, – a, 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 a widow that we represent, 95% of her money is in oil stocks and, and now she's down, I don't know, 50%. Wow. It's amazing. You, it just goes to the old adage, don't put all your money in one basket. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Right. Make sure you have some money that's very safe. And then the money that you uh, want to risk, make sure you understand what the risks are and don't risk more than you can afford to lose. Right. Be diversified. That's right. the number one rule of investing. So how do, uh, how do listeners get a hold of you, Jeff, if they have a problem? Well, we have an office uh, in Miami. We represent investors nationwide. Uh, we can be reached at a toll-free number, 866-372-8311. Okay. And you have a website? Our website is www.sonnerez.com. Name of our law firm is San and Arez. We're located in downtown Miami. All right. Well, thanks for the great information. Thanks for joining us today. You know, and, and listeners, make sure you're not getting scammed. I would stress that you uh, be very careful if you're wading into any investment that's not registered. Right, Jeff? Sure. I mean, nobody's going to protect your own money better than your own. Ask the hard questions. And thanks for having me today, Keith. Absolutely. Thanks for thanks for appearing with us. Thanks. Thank you. Give Keith a call now at 866-WEALTHY. That's 866-WEALTHY. Or you can go online at SingerWealth.com.